You are now tuned in to episode 73 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I'm Scott Sturman, and I'm joined by my buddy, Matt Deitch. Matt, how are we? I am doing quite well. You? I'm doing pretty good also. Uh, yeah, we I, we got a little bit of a warm-up again now, yep. and uh, finally, uh, hopefully, some, some steady steady weather in the 70s, and uh, that should make the fishing take off again. Yeah, it seems like people are out there, and they're catching them. Yep. Well, uh, you actually were one of those people out there and catching them. Uh, you yep. got up into uh, South Dakota. Yep, and uh, had some success up there, and you know, had a great day, afternoon of fishing. Cool, cool. We will uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. But obviously, the uh, the new big news uh, coming in the past week uh, here in the Upper Midwest is obviously uh, Minnesota uh, got the green light to start guiding again, yep. and uh, that's great news for all the guides up there. It's great news for the for the country, really. Um, but uh, we thought, you know what, we got to get a guide on from Minnesota and and talk to him about these uh these times and we thought hey there's no one better than uh brian brosdale of bros guide service and uh i'm definitely pumped up to have him on the show he's he's you know he's one of the icons you know i mean it's, yeah it's, he really is it's brosdale it's gens it's jason mitchell i mean they're, they're yeah. <laughs> one of the top dogs so uh without further ado we are gonna get over to him and we're joined today by brian brosdale of bros guide service brian how you doing hey i'm doing great well, thanks for joining. Uh, yeah, we've really kind of always had you on the list of people that we wanted to talk to, and uh, yeah, it just kind of worked out that this was the week to do it, so thank you. Well, good, good to talk to you, Scott and Matt. Uh, looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, uh, with all of our interviews, we always uh, open them up with a couple random questions, and uh, here a while back, I saw a video of you singing Lukenbach, Texas, out on the boat. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I gotta give yeah. it to you. I gotta give it to you. You're a pretty dang good singer. <laughs> I I uh, didn't want to do it. I got talked into it uh, by a very artistic uh, pho- photographer. Bill Linder had that surprise, and he had uh, karaoke set up out in the boat. And he goes, "You're singing uh, a report," and I said, "Oh man!" And he had he had bad signal, so he only had two songs that he could play, and it was um, I think one of them was something from Cindy Lauper and then the other one was uh Waylon Jennings and I said okay put them on I, I think I can remember the words <laughs> <laughs> well you picked the you picked the right one absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well, so, oh, what I, so what I got to ask you is if if you were to sing karaoke right now what song would mm-hmm. you sing any song oh oh boy I'd probably do Poncho and Lefty yeah, yeah. Nice. oh yeah oh yeah, I like you know, that be, because I like the saga, the story, yep. and um, and then, uh, I, you know, I don't think I'd do anything by system of a down or anything. <laughs> I'd probably lean towards country. <laughs> well, that's good. Is, are, are you a music guy in the boat or not? We were we were asked each other this a while back. Do you do you have music playing while you're fishing? I, I do, uh, but not when I'm guiding. Okay. As a matter of fact, we never, well, we turn the radio on once for uh, some kids in the boat uh on a tougher bite but uh when i'm out there especially uh like an opener weekend it's it's like a a little party but without the 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 beverages you just have the radio on and go have fun and and uh i just put it on to you know some old country or some old rock and uh and then just it's it's kind of it's real relaxing and not so loud that it bothers anybody you know just uh just a little bit especially when i'm out fishing for fun 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many how many states have you bought a fishing license in? Oh my, I would I would have to say probably at least a couple of dozen states, um, maybe more. Uh, if I was if I'm working uh, for a sponsor in a booth at a show, even if I could only get a, a few hours or four hours, I'll buy you know one day license um, or something like that just to try it. Whether I'm stuck on shore or if I'm with an assigned boat, uh, I always do it. And then, you know, if I get more of a chance, of course, I'd like to, I'll get a yearly license if I can, um, if I can, if I know I'm going to come back. Um, but I bought a lot of licenses and it's not about being a fat cat or anything. Cause you know, it, it's, it's about making, making it happen because no one knows how long they're going to live and you might as well fish everywhere you go. And uh, I, I like catching fish, and I'm, I'm not a fish snob. If if it's a, a trout, walleye, bass, I love big bluegills and crappies. A cat, I'll, anything that bites and fights is fun, and I like this just to see what it's like in other places and uh, and see it from different perspectives. And fishing is uh, I'm addicted to fishing, and uh, kind of my excuse to be out there in pretty cool, extraordinary places. Is is there a lake or a state that you haven't fished yet that's like on your bucket list that you're like I have to get there and fish that sp- spot? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's obviously there's going to be some way in back in the woods in different states, but I wouldn't mind. I'd like to go to uh, uh, Havasu and fish down on the Arizona California border <laughs> and uh, fish for crappies and shell crackers. I know they get plenty of bass pressure, and I think they have, they got stripers there, if I'm not mistaken. But I've never fished there, and I'd like to fish there. Um, you know, when everything gets straightened out, maybe someday it'd be fun to fish bass in Mexico, uh, and then uh, some some of the lakes in Canada that are really uh, don't have more than one or two roads going to them that are really big, like Nipigon or or, or something, something up in uh, Alaska. That that'd be the bucket list, and I won't have any time to do that in the next few years because, with a guide schedule and then a the Bro Road Show, it's, t- it's yeah. tough to it's tough to get out there. But I'm just as happy. I mean, whether I'm fishing a, a neighboring state lake or in in my own area, uh, I just really enjoy it. And when I fish tournaments, I never really wanted to do tournaments, and this is the truth. Uh, I had a couple little cabins on a highway and uh tournament guys would stay there because i was really cheap (laughs) and then (laughs) they could stay at a cabin and sometimes you know some of them didn't even have enough money to pay and i just said we would let it slide you know because they just supported them and they talked me into doing a tournament and i was a guide and uh and i i did it and the my first uh my first run at it i i was uh fairly consistent and uh, you know, second through fourth place, and I got Angler of the Year in Minnesota in a in the FLW League. And I thought, I thought, oh, this is easy. I don't, I didn't win, but I I got a lot of checks here. And then, so I did all that stuff, and and uh, I I call it an excuse to fish with a little bit of stress, you know, because <laughs> yep. you have to. You you're, you're walking up on stage, and you don't want to be behind the guy with that big bin of fish that he can't even close it because their tails are hanging out. Uh, and then walk up there with a with a uh, a bag 
that uh, you could put in a small grocery bag. You know, uh, that's the stress is walking up on stage. But you want to have fun and you want the audience to have fun. If you have a bad day, joke about it because that's that's life, you know, and, and they people love that. And everybody's yeah. had a bad day. Oh, yeah. It, you know, and it's part of it, you know, that that's where the the addiction to fishing is, is in the pre-fishing is your vacation. The stress is making making them bite no matter what, or fishing against people. They're 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 absolute animals now with technology. And you think you might have found some fish. Well, I've I've had that where I've never seen anybody. And then on on the on the day you're racing there, you get there and there's four boats with you, in in uh, some some of those big names. And you're you're like, wow, they are good. Yeah. <laughs> and and and. Uh, it's just fun watching them execute, and you get to fish with the, all these big names that you that you that I grew up watching, uh, even before I was uh, a guide. And I thought that was really neat. Well, that kind of turned into I love I love fishing everywhere, and I I didn't do the tournaments the last couple of years. It's hard to guide and do tournaments, as you probably could talk to other guides who do them. You you're, you're guiding, then you go beat the water somewhere else and then you come back to guide and it's too tough and i i decided to take a few years off of it i miss it and um it's uh you know it's one thing if if someone's an office person or owns their own business when they're done they can go they go back to their their business and um but if you go back to a 37 day run or a 50 day run uh you're going to be worn out and i have done it for so many years yeah now, uh, you talked a little bit about your guiding there, bro, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously everybody knows the situation that uh, has been unfolding up there in Minnesota. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the Governor Walls, uh, I, what did you guys have, about 60 days there where you couldn't guide? Yeah, and, and this was the year I was, I was going to, I was all set up, I was going to do ice out perch. It's something that I've, basically in this whole area, I'm the only one that's ever done it. I take people out from ice out. To the, through the recuperation period, and then then I was going to roll into crappies and get an earlier start, um, you know, because our winter uh, was a little bit tough. We had huge amounts of snow, and you couldn't access everywhere. You could take sleds and stuff, but I want to make up for it by starting early. And lo and behold, this uh, this, this bat virus shows up, and <laughs> it's like I'm like, well, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, I, you know, I have, uh, some, uh, chinks in my armor, uh, that a spear could go through if, uh, if, if, if everything is what they say they are, I am the kind of person that's a 50, 50 because, you know, I'm, uh, I, I do have, uh, uh, lung issues and I never smoked, but don't doubt that when I was a kid, I was around so many people smoked when I was a kid, everybody smoked and the air was just blue. But, uh, so, um, it's, I don't know if it's that or whatever, but anyway, if I get it, I don't want it, but I, I'm not going to hide. I'm going to guide and, uh, and let the chips fall wherever it happens. I mean, obviously if I get out there, I'm going And uh, and there's other people, oh, it ain't going to, it ain't going to hurt me. Well, I don't want to find out. And I hope they, I, I don't know anybody that's got it here. And, and so we're, we're all pretty happy and. And uh, and I think that a lot of the clients I have 
are conscientious and they ain't going to be coughing on me or anything. And we're outside, so um, outside of that, you you have to think about it. I'm a person that thinks through things. I don't want to just walk into a wall. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. uh, so I'm ready. I'm ready to go and do it. And and uh, I get some some newbies, but I'm pretty much I can fill up with people that I've I've had sooner or later. So. Um, it's uh it's exciting to get things rolling and uh you know i just hope we don't have i hope that uh everybody can pick up and keep going and uh um we got closed down um and uh it it sends some panic and um and there's it, it was just crazy i i think uh, it happened so fast that it kind of threw things in a mess and then we're opening up now. June first, everything's opening up, and um, it's you know we are spiking in numbers, but it doesn't. Uh, I think it's time to save the economy and uh, keep keep people going, um, and uh, and that's it. I, I I'm glad we can get things going, and there's going to be sick people, but the but most of the people who are truly older or sick, they could maybe you know hide out a little bit. Right. Now, how did you handle uh, canceling your trips, and and what was the response from the customers that that you had to call or whatever and say, hey, you know, can't can't go? Well, I I I uh, I, I didn't cancel any. <laughs> I waited till the last minute, and then and then I I actually talked a bunch of people into doing a follow boat. Oh, perfect! Okay, and yeah, I, and I and I put that on my uh, thing and. And I got an approval from one of the offices, and then then one of the wardens called me up and said, "Absolutely not. That's a guide for hire, and that's part of the the governor thing. And and uh, you you know it that you cannot do that, and we'll be watching for that. And so that blew me away because when I talk to my clients, some of them it's real quick and off the phone. Some of them it's an hour and a half, you know, just to get through it in. Uh, because they got to tell you how their how their family is, then how their pets are, and mm-hmm. but uh, if you know them, and so I I changed it all to follow boats, and then I found out I couldn't do it, so then I, I called, I canceled them, but a lot of them rebooked in open dates, and some of them only had that time, so I gave them clues on where to go, and it was it was an easy deal. I mean, um, I'm old school too. Uh, I I don't want to live uh, by the by the seat of my pants. I'm I'm set. I could I could have survived uh, uh, the whole summer if I had to, and, and that's because I'm old school. O- old people always prepare, and uh, it seems like the modern ones don't prepare. They've got they're thinking a week out or a day out, you know. So, um, yeah, I was prepared for whatever, but I I uh, did come up with a great game plan too, and then got that shot down and. And uh, a lot of guides were waiting to see if I was able to pull it through. And, you know, and I don't doubt that there are some of them that defied and went and took people. Um, but it's, uh, I, I, I go by, I, I, I obey the law, and, and that's just it. And even if, even if I don't disagree with it, I obey it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're a pretty, uh, you know, you're a, a person that when people see you, they know who you are. So, you can't exactly yeah. just uh, be out on the water and, and people think, oh, yeah, well, who, who's that? Whatever. So, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you kinda, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got a little bit more to lose. So uh, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the outlaw guide. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I have sponsorships and stuff. And but I, I, I will say that uh, 
no, every, uh, the, 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 even the clients sometimes try to talk you into it and it is money, but you know, it's, it's not worth it. And, and I, there was a few outlaw guides here and there, and some of them got ticketed. Some of them didn't. And, um, it's, uh, it's not worth it, but I'm so glad that everything's going the way it is. And if people take some precaution, you know, you don't throw caution completely to the wind. You don't, you ain't going to have to worry. I mean, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I got extra work in sanitizing my boat, and my rods, and I'm doing that so people who get in there who are nervous. Cause I do have a lot of older clients; they don't have to worry. Any anything that came within contact of whatever a person can touch is just going to be sprayed down and sanitized. The rod thing is going to be difficult, but uh, hey, if I have to bait their hooks, I'm I'm Cloroxing the rods because I just it's not just for me. I'm doing it so that they feel secure because I have had clients call and ask for the level of cleaning. And I said, well, don't worry. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, you know, and so I'm going to do everything uh, by the book and get people out. But this is one of those years I had pondered doing something different uh, for a while there because I didn't know what, what it was going to turn out to be. And uh, I would be too bored up here driving a gravel truck or a logging truck. I, I, I would be singing too much, and people would be mad at me. <laughs> is this? I, I need to be outside. Is this the single biggest hurdle you've ever had in your guiding career? Oh no, no, no! Tell oh, this is e- this was easy actually compared to anything. This this pandemic right now is still only a blink of an eye, and it just about it, it talked about crippling the world. Well, it just goes to show all of us, all everybody, all businesses, everybody. Better have a little fat reserve because otherwise, you can't live by the seat of your pants. The whole world can't live by the seat of its pants. It's just a little little lesson, and that's why, you know, I'm not as good as like the, those eighty year olds. They all like pinched away every dollar just in case because they went through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't had any big things here and later, so just a little, you know, everybody's going to have to uh, just have a little something socked away just in case. It's it's just like. And you've seen it, the, the grandma with the, the canning jars and the, oh, yeah. the money buried kind of thing. And that's why they do it is because of stuff like this. But the biggest hurdle I had in guiding is uh, fishing gun waters or uh, getting people to go without offending other people that owned the territory. And, and I, uh, I, I couldn't put my card up and get taken down. Um, and this is, we're going back you know, like 27 years, but there were people, it was, it was, there's, you can't just come on the scene. You have to ask and talk to people. I think the biggest hurdle is being accepted in an area. And, and it goes without saying in all States, if you just go onto a body water, start guiding, you're going to ruffle feathers. But the best way to do it is uh, talk to people, have a little respect. And if they say you can't go here or there, well, you'd say, sure, sure. And then you just go there later because it's a free country. You know, um, <laughs> But the hardest thing was uh, getting established without making some crotchety old guide mad, and and um, and all of them guys are gone. I mean, they're they're not all dead, but I mean, they're all doing something else. So you know, sometimes you have to uh, you ha- you can't listen to others. You got to do what's good for you. And uh, and I've seen it, and I've seen it, I've seen it in all of the states. I've seen it in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and uh, there's there's people think they own an area and uh 
but I am supportive of any new guides that want to come up in the area here, and I try to help them and give them trips, and I don't take any money out of it. That's cool. That's cool. Now, bro, do you ever look back at uh, at your career and wish, golly, I wish I would have just stayed a hobby fisherman and got a different job, or, or are you 100% sure that guiding was the right job for you? I think I, I, I fell into a groove in the road, you know, where you're on the ice and there's grooves and you don't even have to steer the wheel. I think my wheel was being steered because, you know, whether it's tournaments or guiding, and I was, I'm not a, I'm not a kind of a fame hog. I kind of avoided, you could ask my wife sometime. I didn't really want all the, the to-do stuff, you know, I just wanted to help people and go fishing, and I was kind of a quiet guy, but now I'm singing on camera. <laughs> um, you kind of evolve and, and you find your groove, and I'm glad I, I did what I did. I just said, I'm going to be a guide, and I went and I guided and I like waking up and seeing the water in the morning, whether it's going to be a rough, rainy day or it's going to be a bright, sunny day. I like being out there. And, uh, you know, if you, one, one of the things I said when I was a kid, as my sister-in-law said, when you're a kid, you had old man kind of talk. When I was a little kid, I used to say I, I like fishing to be in extraordinary places because they used to ask me why you like to fish. Well, even if you're in, in a city like Minneapolis and you – go to the river once you're on that bank it's wild there you can yep. see a turkey or deer if, if you're in detroit river where i've been i looked up on the shore and i seen turkeys there i seen deer walking where old steel mills had trees growing out of it um and it's the same on lake oahe i watched a cow fall down a bank into the water <laughs> and then walk back out and, and seen mustangs running on the shore it's it's pretty cool and it's pretty unique, and to be able to be there and make a living doing that, it's, you know, pinch yourself. But I, I never knew my really, well, I kind of knew. I just said, I'm going to go guide. The tournaments came with it, and the reputation happened um, through everybody around here says, you worked really hard to get it. And I'm like, well, you know, I've worked at resorts, and I've always worked. I like working. And uh, sometimes you don't know you're doing something. You just keep at it. Do you like traveling to all the shows? I love seeing people and talking to people. Because we're all fishermen and women are like and kind. We're, we're very much alike. And we have uh, very uh, similar interests. And um, it, it, it doesn't matter what your politics are because... We all have the same likes and dislikes, it seems. We just love to set the hook on a fish. And it's kind of a, a, a commonality thing, and it's it's really fun. And when I go to the store, I'm not just standing around bored. I'm talking to people in, in that live, you know, 5 to 20 hours away from where I live, and we're like best friends, you know. And, and they sometimes they don't have like a... a, a, a a tackle question or a product question. Sometimes they, a lot of the question is, how do I get started in this? And I said, well, this is what I would do. I would, because uh, they, I get that all the time. I'm like, well, go and do, uh, get a, a degree in sales and marketing, sell one part to a giant company, and then retire after that, and then become a guide. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be so much easier. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I, I hear stuff in my boat, and there's people that, have sold a couple of things over the, and it takes them years and then they're done. You know, they've, they've made millions. So there's all different types of ways. 
or become an internet person. Uh, if you want to do it the way I did, uh, you're, you're never going to be rich. If you need money, do something else, but you're going to love it. And, uh, the world needs more guides. I could tell you that there's not enough of them. And, uh, the young ones starting up, they start and then they quit or they get frustrated or they move on. It's not an easy thing. And you can't always be a hundred percent. You can't always, uh, slaughter the fish and clients, uh, most clients know that. And it's, it's actually a good thing. So and the reality is, is, uh, have a backup plan. And that's what they always ask me, but I love visiting with people in person in, uh, and the crazy thing is the the sponsors love it, but they can't get anybody else to do it. Really? Hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know what I'm doing. it. My wife and I, we just head down the road. Now, driving to New York and hitting snowstorms, that gets old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure the, the travel part of it does. Yeah, there's been had semis roll behind me and in front of me and cars crashing, and we've we had our little safe bubble somehow, but... Uh, that's the only part of the, the show that uh, actually bothers me is is the driving now. It's, uh, so uh, I'm not reaching out coast to coast anymore. I'm kind of staying in the Midwest, and, and the Midwest is the lion's share of all the ice fishing. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and open water and open water fishing, I should say. Yep. The state of Minnesota alone, I mean, you know, and then you add South Dakota, North Dakota, and us poor yeah. people down here in Iowa. <laughs> Yeah, well, and 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 I've, I've uh, um, I I believe that fishing is is you just can't close it. it, it I mean, it's not a necessary thing, but uh, in in the world of pandemics, uh, a couple of people with a sanitized boat and a guide, um, I think is is a lot safer than uh, I, I try not to go into a Walmart or anything like that. I go to sl- slower, smaller stores in. Um, you know, it's, uh, but we don't have it in the Midwest like they do in some of them other places. Um, and I think it's, you know, honestly, I, I think that, uh, um, we're, the, the, the world's working its way through it, but let's, you know, let's concentrate on, on fishing and hunting and, and doing what we do. And no matter where you work or what you do, you know, on the weekend, it, it's nice to be able to go fishing and, and fishermen want to fish. If they cl- they close fishing in some states and people got a little bit sideways, oh for sure. All they want to do is fish, and um, sometimes the kids don't get along on the playground. They fish too close, and then they close fishing. But you know, my message earlier was uh, let's not give anybody a reason to close it. Keeping distance is easy. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, hey, social distancing. Don't get too close to my boat. <laughs> 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 yeah. I I didn't have anything to tell them before when they were rubbing paint off my boat. Yeah. I, I don't get too mad when they follow me because I've picked up clients that have fished next to us and followed us all day, marking my spots, but then they, they didn't catch anything. They didn't have the program, so eventually they'll end up in the boat. <laughs> right. Now, speaking of the program, uh, you know, when you guys have the green light here, you know, in the next uh, couple weeks, whatever, uh, what are, what are, are you going to be going after walleye or you're going to be going after crappie and and what is uh some of the techniques that you're going to be using this time of the year up in northern minnesota well it you know i i used to guide for everything um now i'm sticking to walleye because i I used to do muskies and the quick story on that and or i'll do i'll go chase crappies or whatever if 
if you have to take, if you're going to be a hardcore musky guy, you're going to have all musky equipment, everything you can think of. You ain't going to be able to walk in the boat. And to take that stuff out and then throw walleye stuff in, it's not that part of the pain in the butt. You could be so, you could be just kind of so, so good at, at everything, or you could be super good at one thing. And I take people for walleye so I could follow the school, stay on them, and be consistent. And, uh, and I love using, in this area right now, jig fishing is really good. Uh, and it's, it's all about jigging cadence and knowing which lake needs a certain cadence. Cause you could have a boat next to you and they're jigging wrong. They ain't going to catch anything. And, uh, you go by it and you and your clients got fish on all the time. It's all about the, the jigging movement from lake to lake it is different. Some lakes you got to rip it to get a bite. Other lakes, you just got to let it hit the bottom. Walleyes and glacial lakes like where we're at uh, seem to come in and pin it down with their chin sometimes or bump it and then eat it. And that's why it's a little harder to get by with plastics in northern Minnesota, northern Minnesota except in the summertime because it's, it, it, the, a lot of the water is clearer. And even in the dark waters like Red Lake, which is real popular, it's a giant lake that everybody catches walleyes all day long. And uh, the walleyes bump the bait and then they eat it. But another thing that I've seen working is a roach rig, which is a sinker and a hook and a, and a segment of line that you can feed the fish and a crawler. And when I fished Lake Oahe in the tournaments, it's pretty hard to beat a crawler. <laughs> Pulling behind a bottom bouncer. Uh, but you really don't have to do that here. But uh, sometimes during bug hatches, you want to have leeches and crawlers. And I know two lakes in the last few days that... Uh, that a crawler outfished minnows on um, on a lake, and then another lake leeches outfished everything. So uh, the best advice, if you're heading to northern Minnesota, besides get a guide, <laughs> there, there I just plug guides, um, is to have a, a, a variety of uh, techniques at your disposal, and that's jigs. And I like the long shank fireball jig from Northland because uh, you can double hook a shiner. And if anybody's not sure about double hooking a shiner, go to NorthlandTackle.com and look at the video I did on how to double hook a shiner. It, it's really clear, and I, I put that out a couple years ago, but it's exactly how I fish them, and it'll be real clear on that. Um, or if you're, <clears throat> you want to use a live minnow, sometimes that little wiggle when you let it hit the bottom of the minnow shaking, and you want to nose hook a minnow, use a short shank fireball, or you can jig with a leech, you can jig with a crawler, or pull a rig. Um, but a big bottom mouncer here is not going to work. Right. Uh, sometimes the fish are attracted to something like that, but in a glacial lake, they're going to go, wow, huge hunk of something with food behind it. No, they ain't, ain't going to go for it here. And that's the tough part is, is finessing up your presentation Go as light a jig as possible so it kind of falls and floats. And don't drag it on the bottom. Hop it. Draw their attention. And on some lakes you have to drag. If there's sand, there's lakes around here. You have a hard time finding a snag. There's like nothing to snag and maybe a log or two. You could drag it, but you're going to get full of weeds. So light, finesse, um, lighter line. I'm, I'm using braid with a 7-pound leader. I... I've gone as light as four. You do get some, some snap-offs, or you do get pike, and pike will steal all your jigs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, 
seven pound is a good, a good, uh, moderate, uh, test. You can sit, and if you can't find seven, six, it will work good. Eight is good if there's a lot of pike in the area and you, you don't want to lose your lure. Um, you can put a swivel or you could uh, do a back to back uni knot and tie that segment in with braid. But braid makes all rods fish with more finesse. You can feel more. There's no stretch. Mm-hmm. And on super clear lakes, zebra mussel lakes, you might want to use a one rod rigged up with monofilament the whole the whole way because um, you could be boat to boat and someone all braid isn't going to catch anything. And or you can go with a 15 to 20 foot leader. Just make your knot that long. Um, that'll work also. So um, you know, and and bait. You know, here you definitely want to have a good, like a Magnum bait station and have minnows. You know, make sure you stop at the bait shop. Um, and shiners are obviously going to be really good here, and they run right now, and they can get them. And that's what the fish eat on these large bodies of water. But in the smaller bodies of water, you know, the 2,000 acre or less waters that are around. And there's, I live in an area that within 100 miles, I have 1,000 lakes. And um, it's the smaller lakes. Fatheads, golden shiners, all them odd type of, you know, just common minnows work just fine because they're in most of those lakes. They recognize them or they don't care. You know, in the big uh, Leech, Leech Lake, which is uh, over 100,000 acres, Cass Lake, Winnebagosh, Red Lake is 200,000 acres, Lake of the Woods, you know, our site probably is half a million acres. Um, That's where the, the... bait of that lake makes a big difference like spot tail shiners are huge and really a bait you want to have right now fishing on those lakes don't forget the crawlers and leeches right now here here a a week or two ago uh me and a buddy of mine were out fishing uh body water here in northwest iowa and i was doing the same thing i had a uh a fathead minnow on a jig head and i was skipping it across the bottom and i kept getting they kept short biting me what do you think oh, I was yeah. doing wrong, or what do you think I should have done to to get those fish landed? Uh, actually, uh, a stick-on stinger. You, you could actually put a stinger on your hook, or on the backside of the fireball, there's a little loop you can... And stingers are just a tiny treble hook on a little 4-inch uh, lead, 3-inch lead. And when the fish comes in, they're striking at it, but they're not that into it, so they're wafting and just nipping the tail or taking the body off. Uh, you could pause, and sometimes they'll drop it, but if you put a stinger hook on there, but don't hook it in the minnow, let it hang loose. That stinger hook is the lightest part of your jig and minnow. So when the fish comes in and sweeps at it, he's going to get the stinger. And it's uh, it so, sounds like it shouldn't be legal, but it's legal everywhere. <laughs> put a stinger hook on, your, on your, your fireball, and that's why they have that little loop at the bottom to attach it. And if there's no loop, Get a stick-on stinger. It's got a little rubber in the eye, and you just slide it onto your hook after you put your minnow on, and having a stinger in the back is going to make a big difference. And sometimes uh, in really tough situations like in tournaments where I'm getting short bite, short bite, and you can only miss so many and your day's over, I've pitched short rigs, uh, rigs that are a foot long, and the sinker itself, I've even painted sinkers, uh, I'll jig the sinker, and then they come over to the minnow, and then you can feed them. And so I've pitched short rigs, or uh, but still, you can't beat a fireball and a stinger. Um, sometimes 
I've done really well on, on the Missouri River, top to bottom, all throughout the states, and I won't go there ever again without Whistler jigs. Uh, they kind of helicopter down. They kind of fall, and they flash, and it, and it makes the fish hit it hard. Mm-hmm. And the Whistler jig, I don't see a lot of people using them like they used to, but it's still really a deadly jig, and uh, whether you're fishing in weeds or I was fishing in brush, I pitch it in there, and it, and it falls vertical. And, and that little bit of flash is awesome. Or even drifting in the river and sliding, pitching up to the bank, and then letting it fall on the, on the sandbars. I just killed them on the Missouri with that. And then, um, you know, double-hooking fatheads so that they're weedless. Uh, you could do that just like you would a shiner. Worked really well. So I, I would say, you know, stinger, and then maybe look at some whistlers, too, uh, and give them a try. It'll just lighten up so they helicopter down. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that Scott was just, I don't think he just could catch him. I don't know if he can detect a bite or not. I think that was just an excuse. <laughs> that is not That is not true. <laughs> well, you might need to get a St. Croix rod. I, you know, when I guide, I don't sit there with a real expensive, really high modulus rod and then hand my clients, uh, you know, whatever I found at, at the racks at Walbert. They use what I use. And and I just explained to them, don't break it no matter what. And uh, and they have a rod. They can feel it. And they, you know, I, I, I've been always using real high-end rods. And the other guys, some of them get mad at me for have, providing stuff like that because, well, you know, you know, I just want the best for my clients, you know. And uh, so I'll get uh, Legend Elite for the clients or Legend uh, X or Extreme, and, um, and they can really tell the difference in – um, if if a group or somebody breaks one, then they'll notice a little, maybe a little lesser rods in the boat the next day. I I try not to uh, have bad equipment. It's always the best, and uh, and I think that is a big bridge into putting more fish in your boat is to have light, um, you know, light rods like that. I've I've always used them. I've I've tried everything. I've tried uh, Shimano, Loomis. Uh, homemade rods and i've been a real fan of that company in wisconsin for many many years they just make their engineers are part of their their deal but they just engineered some really nice stuff and um i think that with a good quality line and a jig you're not going to miss many because you're going to know what the fish is thinking yeah and a happy customer is a repeat customer oh yeah they all love it there's no fatigue in a rod that just weighs weighs ounces mm-hmm. yep. and then uh you know put a light reel on there too and there's people with bad shoulders uh, let's just face it i have a lot of older clients and they got a bad something or other everywhere in uh light rod um pitching feeling the bite setting the hook and even in the summer when it turns more to spinning and bottom bouncing i have some clients that don't want to hold a two ounce bottom bouncer that's hanging off the tip of a rod which makes it even heavier um, and so we figured out how to, uh, bottom bounce with jigs. We pitch out whistler jigs, thumper head jigs with a chunk of crawler and it works just the same. It's all about speed. And once you get up to speed, you pitch it out. You don't drop it down, then get up to speed cause you just drag all the weeds up, you know, so pitch it out and hang on and yeah. you're, you're, you're bottom bouncing with jigs basically. And, uh, you know, so the, the real trick now 
you know, in the past was the speed, really watching the speed on your GPS. But now um, I have, uh, everybody's got those cool trolling motors. I have an Altera, and on it there is a cruise control. So once I'm trolling, I lock it into a speed, and if there's surges and waves or river current, that cruise control makes sure that it maintains that speed. If I go one mile an hour or 1.2, that cruise control on that really works. And I think people should use that more to make their life better. Right. Oh, well, yeah. There's a lot of those features on those Minn Kotas that, you know, people, you, you really got to utilize all of them because there is a lot of great features on those things. There, there really is. And I'm actually, I got a fellow from uh, Iowa that's got a cabin here and I'm, uh, not getting paid. I'm going over there to show him how to use it because he asked. He doesn't know how to use it, and I'll I'll spend 15 minutes with him, and he'll know how to use all that stuff. That's and cool. uh, from a safe distance, of course. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about the remotes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll have you know, but I I want to show him because uh, you know they want to do a lot of uh, trolling, and uh, they like to just set it and let. You know, having that trolling motor is like having a butler or, or a limo driver for you. You just, it, it's like it's, it's, it's controlling the show, and mm-hmm. I love it. And, how, and, you know, just the way to use stuff like that. If, if, I, if I didn't have a Ranger Bolt, let's just say, uh, well, I got two of them, but one of them is a real, real old one. Let's say I had that, just that old boat. I'm going to rig up that old boat the same way I would rig up my guide boat because, Every day, I use spot lock and the trolling features of the trolling motor. Every day, I use my electronics. They're my eyes to the bottom. And then Talon, which is the you press a button and it anchors you up. In Minnesota, northern Minnesota, for the first, you know, from opener here last weekend to July, I use my Talons every day and I anchor up. Sometimes I spot lock. Well, why do I want the Talons? They don't kick off turbulence. There's no spinning prop. Mm-hmm. You anchor up, and it's quiet. They slowly move in, and you catch them right under the anchor. It's uh, you know, it's about stealth. And you could just throw an anchor overboard, and then maybe two of them. But that's even more disturbance. And uh, when I launch a boat, I, I pin it down, and I wrap the rope, and I press the button in the mirror of my truck as I'm backing it up because I have a remote in my truck. And it anchors it away from the dock so it's not pounding, which is really helpful if you got a side wind. But I truly use this stuff, and, uh, you know, they, they always ask what I'd like to see, and I tell them, and I think it's impossible, but they keep making stuff like this, and it's just, it's it's amazing. It, it It's it's still fair chase because fish sometimes just don't bite. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the engin- know, and, uh, the engineers that are ahead. running these electronics, uh, they they uh, they've got it dialed in, no doubt about it. They got it dialed in. You can see fish to the side. You can see the fish uh, underneath you. Not about seeing fish anymore. And then, uh, what I've done in our lakes, we have rough fish, uh, white suckers, and red horse, and uh, and they like to hang out in walleye spots. They eat bloodworms and and midgefly hatches and mayflies. So they're hanging there, and you'll get a school of 50 suckers, and some of them are 5 to 7 pounds, and some of them are 1 pound. But you don't know from your graph. But I'll drop a camera and look at spots if they're too good to be true, and I'll see a school of suckers, and they'll hang in an area for three weeks. 
Wow. And so you drop the camera, and you'll see walleyes scooting away. Then you know they're walleyes, but uh, there are plenty of spots. I'll hit a dozen spots in some of the lakes that guide Leech, Cass, Winnie, and, and there's suckers. And then you'll be out there fishing and catching walleyes, and you look over, and there's 14 boats on a school of suckers, and only one walleye gets caught. And you, you say, well, maybe I should go tell them. Or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the work and I dropped an un- un- underwater camera, but that's the kind of stuff uh, you want to do. Just especially if you're on vacation, don't be that person sitting on a school of suckers. Bring your AquaView. Right. Yeah. So you use your camera in the open water quite a bit, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot. In in tournaments, almost everybody drops a camera to look, and the people who don't aren't doing their research very well. It's all, you, you get out of it what you put into it, and uh, it makes a big difference to see that it's actually what you're fishing for. Because there's places that have a lot of other types of fish down there, and uh, I don't want to leave anything to chance. And sometimes, you know, these fish hold the areas for only one day. Sometimes it's for three weeks, and I want to know that I'm not wasting my time or my client's time. So I look, and I'll bring it with, I'll have it somewhere in my boat, and uh, I'll just plop it over the side. And it's on a little, there's a little wheel underneath it, so it spins. So when you take the, the cord off, it spins uh, in place. It's really cool. And you get this little wheel that attaches to the bottom. And then when you wind it up, you just spin it with a finger. And it's, so it's not hard to do at all. But I, I set it up so I could look in, you know, 20, 30 feet of water, too. I have a, there's little weights you put on. I put two of them on two of these heavy weights and then a fin and I could look really at fast speeds and um so yeah there's and I really honestly in this area I don't know of uh other guides really doing that but I've seen them guys sitting on the suckers too and uh can't leave any uh anything to chance especially when you're doing it for a living yeah absolutely when you got the tools at your disposal you may as well use them Maybe that's yeah, maybe yeah. that's how the term calling somebody a sucker came came in. You know, a bunch of people sitting <laughs> yeah. on a bunch of suckers, and they're like, "Look at those suckers over there." They well, don't even realize I, I always, you know, and I, I'm of the thinking too that if they're all sitting on my walleyes, I wouldn't have any for my clients. So I, you know, at least they got entertainment by looking at their graph. But uh, and then uh, you know, when professional sports start again, uh, everybody's you know the lakes are empty because they're all at the uh, stadiums watching the sports. And I'm like, you know, good thing that they have those. And I hope they get them back because uh, the lakes got a little bit busy here without them. Yeah, we could tell down here too. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah. Now, Brian, before we let you go, uh, you know, if if somebody is listening and they want to uh, either take a trip with you or, you know, you're on the road going to a lot of shows, doing a lot of different stuff, how do they find where you're going to be or how can they get a hold of you and uh, potentially oh, yeah. book a trip? Just go to uh, brosguideservice.com and uh, just go there and it's all right there. And uh, just give me a shout if you know you're going to be in the area or if you want to make a trip up here, I can uh, refer you to places to stay and um, – give you advice on when's the best time or you know just uh just let me know and uh if you if you go to bros guide service you don't get some group you get me yep. i i am the one that i take all my trips and then if i do get busy and i just can't make that day i have some i call them wood tick guides 
but I'd put them against the best tournament anglers anywhere because when they come here, these these no names are always at the top of the list. So I have my groups that I work with that I don't, but I don't have a group under me. I never wanted to do that. I, I just help. I, like I said, I, I give trips to other guys and I don't take their money. I don't. I didn't set up a big system like that. I just want to be out there fishing. And so when you go there, you get me. Or if that doesn't work, I'll I'll uh, send you to a, somebody that's not as good as me, but almost. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with silver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's another thing Scott's got to tell himself all the time. There's oh, nothing wrong geez. with silver. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. It's good to have friends. It's good to have friends. When I go on a boat, I, I got friends that agree to everything I say, and, and I and I don't really consider them friends. I got an old crabby guy that I fish with once in a while, and he disagrees with everything, and I just love it. Yep. <laughs> oh, Matt, don't don't get it twisted. Matt is not my friend. I just keep Matt around because I, I like to always, you know, make sure that I'm in first place. I'm the better looking one. I catch more fish. I, that's the only reason I keep him around. Yeah, well, that's all right. Oh, yeah. Well, in the old days, we used to call them anchoring certain type of person, you know, the anchor person. Yeah. And, uh, so they would be the one throwing the anchor over and lifting it up when the water temperature is 40 in the rain. And if you missed, they had to pull it up and re-anchor. Well, that anchor person, uh, I always had one, and I didn't care what their personality was as long as they could toss an anchor. Yeah, that's right. Matt can toss an anchor, and he can net my fish. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, one of those uh, netting type of persons, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, bro, we, we really appreciate you taking time out this morning and uh, and joining us. That was a great interview, and uh, we definitely hope Thank that you. we can have you on the show here again in the future. So, Absolutely. Just give me a shout, and uh, everybody have uh, fun, be safe, and let's, for goodness sake, let's think about fishing for a while and think about good things like that, fishing and hunting, and everybody uh, be safe. And uh, don't breathe any dirty air. That's, <laughs> That's right, right. You too. Absolutely. See you around, man. All right. Yep. Bye. And that was Brian Brosdale of Bros Guide Service up in northern Minnesota. God dang it, that was that was fun. That yeah, was a lot was, of fun talking to him. It's pretty interesting to get his take on how the state of Minnesota is opening back up for the guides and how you know they can get going and just make sure that you're following some good guidelines and keeping safe yep yeah absolutely and that was really interesting you know to hear him talk about you know having a follow boat you know that, that that's yep. what he was going to try to do and and that they even shut that down too because yep. i do know of a couple other guides like in south dakota and whatnot that were doing real similar stuff and uh you know they were obviously getting away with it but uh well, because you know, because they could, I think I don't. I think that guides in different states, like South Dakota, and I think here in Iowa, I don't think they got shut down. Like right. they couldn't take people out. I mean, there was like rules, like it can only be the person like that you live with or that live in the same household and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so that's how they kind of got around that with that. But yeah, they could not guide up there, and yeah, period. a lot of them. That's that's their livelihood. So, like he said, it's. It's always good to be thinking forward ahead and not just be a ways ahead and not just a week ahead and, you know, plan for things like that. Right. You know, and, and I mean, I, obviously he's taken the approach, you know, kind of like the farmers down here, you know, I mean, you're going to have good years, you're going to have bad years, you know, everything's a roller coaster. And, and, uh, he obviously knew that at some point in time, something like this could come along and, 
like you said, you, you had to have a little extra fat to, you know, get through times like this. But yeah, I was, God dang it. It was interesting, you know, yeah. just hearing his take. I mean, he is, like I've said earlier, I mean, he's truly one of the icons in the industry. Really and, is. and I mean, just a true professional, spectacular talker. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I thought, know. I thought it was great advice for anybody, like any younger people or anybody just wanting to get into guides, guiding and stuff like that, how he talked about that's the real struggle, you know, is getting in, you know, come in there, be humble, get to know the guides that are already in that area and on that lake, you know, don't come in and think that, you know, I'm, I'm better than them and make it a competition, like I'm way better than them and, you know, get to know those guys, slowly get your name out there, earn your time in that area with some of those guys that have been doing it for a while and then you know you can start building up that reputation and yeah get going can you imagine being a young young gun guide up there in northern minnesota and brian brosdale uh, recommends you to some oh, exactly <laughs> you I know mean, it's like all right i made it <laughs> no no that gal like i said it was way cool and uh thanks to bro for yeah, for taking you. time out so uh thanks for that Back to uh, back to us, Matt. Uh, you uh, you did get out and you did some fishing uh, up in South Dakota. Yeah, it, you know, went up there and it, it the bite wasn't great at first. Yeah, kind of struggled to find fish. Uh, a lot of the places that we went, it was really clear water. I mean, you're fishing shallow, so sometimes that doesn't you know equivalent to each other, help each other sometimes. And uh, you got to be real stealthy with your approach. Be a little bit further out, make longer casts. Uh, we ran and it was a little windy yeah. and also the, the lake that one of the first lakes that we started on was pretty a busy lake. So, I mean, some of the banks and stuff like that, some of the places you're fishing have already been, been fished. Yeah, yep. So you're coming in. I mean, then you're just like, oh, we'll, we'll go find somewhere else to fish on the lake. Don't, you don't want to go fish behind some people, but sometimes you do because, you know, you think you can catch them right. better than they can. But, uh, no, we eventually got onto a good bite and ended up having a pretty successful day and, you know, kind of saving the day at a place that we went. And when you had kind of told nice me ones. that you thought, you know, the, uh, the later in the day it went, you know, the better it was going right. to get. And, uh, for sure. How, how, what was your biggest? Probably 24 inches, 24, but man, oh, those, but those fish up there are just, I've said it before and I'll say it again. They're just so stupid fat. I mean, how thick these fish are. I mean, they come in there and you grab them and you like, you can hardly like grab them around the back. I mean, they look like they got tiny little heads. <laughs> like we right. caught, we caught one. It's like, like it was, we were both laughing about how just round the fish was. And it's just like, that thing looks like it has just a little teeny bitty head, but it was just so thick. I mean, cause the forage up there and those fish, they battle hard. And yeah, I, like I said, I think 24 was the biggest, the average fish i mean your your average fish is probably around 20 inches really we were catching i mean we caught a few eaters and but we weren't keeping any fish that day so just yep. catch and release on them and now was a good time and you know the, the thing is over there in south dakota a lot of times people forget that there are so many lakes up there oh gosh yeah you really don't think about it you think about up in minnesota oh yeah there's a ton of lakes but you get up into the glacial lakes region of north or south dakota it's there's tons of lakes and different ones and some have names some don't some are real popular some aren't you know well, some so, of these little sloughs just on the side of the road right. you know i mean can just be money spots and you know, exactly and uh you know there's a lot of them that are not primitive boat ramps right i mean you're putting in off of old dead-end roads uh you might be able to get in you might not the thing up there up in that Wa Bay area is 
you forget that they had so much snow this year. You know, when we get like an inch of snow, they'd get like 12. I didn't forget. Right. I mean, we went up there. <laughs> oh, we God, were up no, in that I'm area, kidding, and right. we saw, you know, all, that all the snow that they had. And uh, so it's the lakes are really high up there. Some okay. of them, like some of those cabins on Blue Dog and some of those lakes as you're driving around are underwater. Yeah. I mean, they there's water up to them or in them. And so, you know, that's kind of a thing that you battle a little bit too like with some of these primitive boat ramp boat ramps sometimes they're real muddy and right so you can't get put in on them and another thing if you're ever going up there always remember to bring some cash along oh because, because some of these some of the because yeah. some of those boat ramps you got to pay yep. to use you know they're on private property but they they're nice enough to maintain a decent one you know some of them are real nice some of them are kind of you're just like man i'm going to pay to use this ramp but it's your only option and but it's not it's not too expensive. I think when we like were eight, up there, ten. I think it's like ten. Was so. it okay? I think when we were up there on Buckshot uh, on Wa Bay, God, I want to say that that was like three. But it, it it could change in the open water too, and, and right. whatever. But it's so it's like those ones that we used were like ten bucks, and so just uh, that's always something to think about. You know, don't don't be the person that's just like they're not going to come check. I'm just going to leave it right. because then what happens there is that then they'll just close it if everybody starts doing that or you know if you plan on going back to that spot you know they'll definitely come and check and see your, your license plate number and the next time you come back there i mean well don't yeah. be surprised if they hook a tractor to your <laughs> truck and drag, drag <laughs> right. it somewhere right so i mean it's always it's something you don't think about and right yep but now, there's plenty of lakes up there that have public ramps that you yep. can put in on and what were you doing what were how were you catching them oh just you know the normal program pitching jigs things like that so it was it was it was a good time you, you could never go wrong with that jig bite although it was a little weird it, every once in a while they'd thunk it but you know hit it hard but other times it would just be you'd pick up and you know they were just kind of there it's still i think water temps were in the lower 50s when we started off in the day it was like 50 different lakes were like, like 53 so okay i think it's just going to heat up and it's going to get it's going to get going here pretty good so definitely yeah get out there and give it a go yeah absolutely uh no i don't know you've been it, getting down to the river here in town a little yeah. bit, and it's still just it, it's just God, not it's the bite that like it has that it has been i don't know i well you know and, and all the water everywhere is clear the yep. river the river is crystal clear you know i mean you go over to the okabojis or you know the silver lakes over there and they're crystal clear you go up into you know northeast south dakota and it's crystal clear and and I don't know. I mean, we've gotten a few rains now. I'm I'm not really sure what what the deal is, but something. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Some something just the way it, the way it's working out. Everything is cr- really clear, and and that makes it tough. So you're right, especially when you're talking about you're fishing so close to the bank, and it's almost right. like you almost got to approach it like trout fishing. You know, those guys talk about you got to be real stealthy along the bank when those little streams and stuff like that. And you almost got to do that now with the with the fishing here in the river right and i was actually telling a guy that uh i think it was wednesday afternoon that i was down there and and i told him you know don't wear super bright colored clothing you know i mean if if you want to go with a a baby blue or a a white you know and hope that you're kind of blending in with the sky or, or something you know a little bit darker to blend in with the rocks and the trees and whatnot and don't be flailing your arms around you know try to keep your movement down and don't be hooting and hollering you know i mean these sometimes i mean you can catch a fish on the you know the rock you're standing on you can catch a fish right you know next to it or whatever so i mean these fish will end up you know working in through the currents and get real close to you and uh you know 
I don't know. I've, I've been flipping a tube jig down there a lot. I knew that that was always something that you really used. And I'll be honest, you left one in the boat that you sold me. <laughs> so I pulled it out of the cup holder. But I do got a bunch on order because, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, I haven't really been going. Well, I haven't been going to Sioux Falls, you know, right. getting up there to Shields or, you know, some of the bait shops. You know, when we go over to Okaboji, I've stopped in at Cables a time or two. But, you know, I mean... Golly, when you need tackle and, you know, you, you start getting on something, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the, the better way to do it right now in these times is probably just ordering online if, if you can't get over to a bait shop. So I do got some tube jigs coming in and, uh, you know, going to try try some stuff that I really haven't normally done. But uh, the fish that I have caught down at the river have been on tube jigs the last little while. And I don't know, that that's a fun, different way to fish. You yeah, know, just it really is. Really slow retrieving it. And I've, I found... The slower I retrieve it, the better I can do. And yep. I mean, when I say the better I can do, that just means that I'm catching a fish, maybe two fish. It's it's not like normal when you can go down there in an afternoon and pop off a twenty fish day. Right? Yeah. It just it's just something different this year that you know you got to figure out. Right. That's just the thing about it. And the fish are small. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know what. I've I've hooked into a couple decent ones and stuff. And you didn't get them in. No. Shocker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If no one saw it, it didn't happen, Matt. You were standing right there. The one. I time. was not either. You were throwing rocks at it as it was trying to jump <laughs> to try to knock it off of the line. Well, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's technically cheating. That's just you know you're just skipping rocks. And I'm just my fish rocks. just happened to jump right there. You ever skipped a rock twelve times? What's no. the most you've ever skipped a rock? I don't know, maybe six. Well, you can only seven. count. Pa- you can't count past six. So oh, it was like, well, right. uh, there was six at least. So well, I just can't process that fast. Right. Why? Right. What? It, well, you got like you hold like a Northwest Iowa rock skipping. Yeah, Upper Midwest. I, I was regional champ uh, back in 2017. Yeah, I yeah. can believe that. Yeah, I was. You kind of got that sidearm. You're kind of like the Dennis Eckersley of rock skipper hideo nomo oh there you go (laughs) you get the old spin the real get the the whole body into it the real sidearm and and hide the rock from it yep they they actually quit counting because it just kept on skipping 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 right you couldn't see it anymore right right they had vortex binoculars out and it was like you could as far as we know it's still going out there (laughs) you're the only guy i know that could skip a rock all the way across lake malax yeah, they had to bring me up to the big lakes. <laughs> no. Get the drone out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. There we go on that tangent. Yeah. Skipping rocks. Little bit of housekeeping quick. Um, I uh, I had a message from a guy who uh, had been listening to our podcast on iHeartRadio, and uh, the last episode, uh, 72, did not upload on iHeartRadio, and uh, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. Uh, I'm, I, I looked back through my emails uh, from iHeartRadio, and they never said, you know, hey, you got to update, you know, anything or whatever. Um, so I'm not 100% sure what is going on there. I'm hoping that uh, this episode, 73, uh, uploads just fine. And if it doesn't, uh, I don't know if there's a 1-800 number I can call or if I can email a customer service or, or something. But, uh, yeah, if you're a – well, I guess if it ain't uploading and you're normally an iHeartRadio listener uh, – you're, you probably don't even know that I'm saying this, you know, whatever, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping, uh, hoping to figure whatever the heck that is out because, uh, yeah, the way that we do this, uh, I upload it to one platform and it automatically updates to the other platforms. And, uh, yeah, so that's that, I guess. Otherwise, I guess I really don't have a whole lot more to talk about unless you got something, uh, real groundbreaking. What about your feel good moment of the week? Your positive 
note that we're ending the shows on. Ugh. Mine is All right. that they're a lot that tournament fishing is starting to get the go. Yeah. You know, we're starting our local tournaments. You know, there's a lot of parameter, you know, a lot of restrictions and things like that that we got to follow and stuff like that. But it's kind of my feel-good thing. You know, all the tournament fishermen are kind of starting to see where they can get in and, you know, scratch that competitive itch. And, yeah, so that's kind of my, my feel-good. And I'll keep talking while you sit there. No, I got one. I got one. I mean, I can see the wheel. I, I'm not going to say the wheels. I can just see the wheel slow. Well, since I actually have and... a brain and I can think something up. <laughs> Up in, I, I'm, I'm going to say that I think that the guys up in Minnesota, the guides, uh, you know, aside from a couple that, you know, really complain hardcore, 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 you know, I, I really think that they've taken this all in stride. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think some of them even almost welcomed a short break, you know, that, you know, maybe they can spend a little bit more time with their family and whatnot. But, uh, I, I would say that that's going to be my feel good story. I apologize. That's not a very good feel good story. It's a great one. I, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, I, I, I was really hoping for, you know, actual personal encounters and, and whatnot. And golly, I know that earlier in the week, I've, I've got a guy at work. I've got a guy at work, uh, that, uh, not normally a fisherman. And I think it was on Monday night this last week. He said, Hey, I'm at Walmart and I'm looking at buying a fishing pole. And, uh, he got himself a fishing pole. And I strung it up for him Tuesday morning at work, and uh, he's been down at the river quite a bit, uh, you know, the last little while. And and another guy that didn't grow up fishing, but yeah, I don't know, I, you know, when when you're not supposed to be traveling to different towns, and and you live in a town like ours, where, you know, I mean, we've got three gas stations and and a couple, a handful of restaurants, and I mean, that's what we got. You right. know, I mean, the entertainment is. Uh, cruising around the country and seeing if you can find deer at night you know i mean it's cruising up and down main street in town and seeing how loud you can make your exhaust (laughs) rattle across you know back and forth in the buildings and but you know golly just more people are are getting out there and and i think you know i talked to a guy that sold campers and and I said, man, is it is it slowing down for you? And he's no, like, it seems like, absolutely not. Buying he's like, campers now. He's like, we have never been so busy. And a lot of the campgrounds are even closed. But I think a lot of people are starting to realize, you know, well, you know hey, what, you know what this outside thing is? It's fun. Well, you know what a lot of it is too. A lot of these people's and family schedules are allowing for it now. Well, we, right. we talk about it here all the time, where these parents are running around hauling kids everywhere for this and for that and some of it you know that's that's good in its own right and stuff like that but sometimes they get so busy they forget about this stuff right and now they have the time to do it it's like well we can't well we can go fishing let's go fishing i mean like you said i talked to somebody last night actually and they're like their 10 year old son is just like i want to go fishing you know let's go fishing and they live right by the river right and he's like okay and like he was so he asked me a bunch of questions about like what is like he was asking me like what kind of fish are all in the river and it's just like you're rattling off like what you could possibly catch i was like you could i mean to potentially catch anything and then it's like if he just wants to catch a fish i mean just you know a sinker and a hook and put some corn on it if he wants to catch carp or something like that and he's just like he kind of looked at me like like corn and i'm just like oh yeah just get some canned corn and put it on i said load it up and throw it out there and you're going to have a riot and I mean, catching those things. And so, like you said, these kids that have, they want to do something and they know they can do that. So yeah, yeah. it's cool. That, that, uh, we had a senior parade last night Yep, here in town. Uh, I didn't know that you were graduating this year. I did. I just got done with firefighter one class, Matt. That was, your graduation. 
I thought maybe you finally graduated high school, even no. though you're supposed to graduate over ten years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> no, me and me and uh, another fireman here in town, we we had a senior parade, and obviously they they can't have commencement and everything uh, like normal. So uh, yeah, we, we I don't know. It was a pretty cool deal. I think the school or maybe some parents got lined up. I don't even know the exactly. School, I think uh, the did school it. did it, yep. and uh, everyone met down at the uh, at the school parking lot and. Uh, uh, with the fire department, uh, we drove two trucks through, um, you know, some of the other surrounding towns sent a truck over and, uh, the hospitals and any local business that wanted to participate. And I mean, man, it, I mean, this was a long parade route. Right. I mean, we, you know, it was well over probably 50 blocks, you know, the, the way it started from the school went up to 12th down Carroll. Anyone who's listening is like, you know, whatever. But I mean, it, it was a long route, but man, the whole entire time there was no dead area, you know, no. just people out on the front lawns and lawn chairs and people just really rallying around it. You know, I, I got it. I got to admit, I was kind of one of these guys that, you know, was like, you know, when I was a senior, I would have killed to have something like this and, and not have to go back to school. But, uh, you know, like if you're a, if you're a high school baseball player that's, you know, potentially going to be getting a scholarship or, or something like that, and, you know, you got, you know, you didn't get robbed, but you kind of got robbed, you know, right. of, of your senior baseball, you know, season or whatever. And, you know, say you tore your ACL your junior year, and, and now all of a sudden you right. don't get to turn around and play your senior year. I mean, yeah, you know, the, and, and, you know, it's not like just the people at Central Lion, you know, these guys didn't get to play, but the whole rest of the state, no one got to play. You know, the yeah. whole country isn't getting to play. But, yeah, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it was it, cool. That still, parade was cool. Yeah. I didn't so, know what it was. You know, I was kind of one of the mixed people, like, why? Like, do we really need to have this and stuff? But, like you said, you sit there in it and, you know, you see people you haven't seen for a while. You see the kids, you know, that I haven't seen for a while. Um they were pumped. That was one of the biggest things. They were pumped not to have seen you for a while. Well, that's, <laughs> I can understand that, but uh, but yeah, it's, it was it was cool. A few of our retirees, you yep. know, were sitting uh, were sitting there so people could drive by and honk at them and wave. Right. And, About halfway know. through the parade route, I realized that I had a little foot pedal down there for the air horn. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was lucky that I didn't find that out <laughs> earlier in the parade route because I was letting her ring. Oh, that's all right. Like I said, there was after you know after all the seniors had gone through and everything like that we decided to get in the truck and drive down past one of the retirees and oh yeah and yep. wave at them but and people just kept sitting out you know because oh, everybody was just having fun and it was just like it felt like some normalcy and everything and it actually i actually started having fun because there were some kids like my students that i haven't seen in a while and they kind of like look at you as they're driving by then all of a sudden they're just like coach and it's just like you're like hey you know and so that was it was pretty cool and it just showed some community pride it was actually fun before the parade even started and the races started up the other yeah. night and it was the the parade route went where right by the fairgrounds where everybody was driving into the racetrack and all these people are driving in and they're just like everybody's waving at them they're just like i'm like we just really like the races around here <laughs> yeah. and, you know welcome to town opening night right no it was it was packed man i mean you know i don't know how many seniors they had but uh like i said the fire departments i think maybe the ambulance went through there was a there was a lot of different stuff and yeah then you had the races and then they had a cruise night downtown the the restaurants finally you know could open back up you know and right. have people come and dine in and Man, the town was booming last night. It just it just feels like it's just a feel good thing. It's starting to see some forward into it and see yeah. some light. Yep. 
So that that right there, Matt, that's my feel good story. Yeah, that was we. That was a long feel good story. There was a lot of different stuff avenues to go down, but uh, mm-hmm. that is that. That is episode seventy three. We will see you next week on episode seventy four. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. <laughs>